Hello, my name is Robert Higgins. And I'm Kay Tuxford. And this is episode 77 of Screenwriting from the Trenches, a podcast about the craft and expression of screenwriting in all of its forms from the perspective of writers just like you. Uh, did, I, you're, you're good? I'm, I'm shaking my head so okay. hard, Rob. <laughs> But please right. continue for the okay. people. Yeah. Thank you. This week we've got an interview with Andrew Angela Brassa, whose movie, if you were the last, just pay, played at this year's South by Southwest. But first, as always, we must discuss what is screenwriting a Twitter screenwriting Twitter a Twitter about this week. Take it away, Zach. It's just another day in screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama, screenwriting drama. It's just another day in screenwriting drama. It's another day in screenwriting drama. And we're back. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hi, thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Were you on screenwriting Twitter at all this week? I mean, I'm always observing, but very rarely participating. Probably the safest move. (laughs) Well, we had some things happen. It was, uh, there was, I don't know, there was a lot of things happening, kind of not happening. It was weird. I was trying to focus on a few things, but I think the most important thing of the week was the Writers Guild going hard. We had some right. folks out there as they as they go into negotiations, they are clearly setting up a offensive strategy that is, is really good, I, I feel like. They want to educate the public on what the profit margins are for these corporations and studios, basically the members of the AMPTP versus what writers have been getting paid. And sort of in the mix of this, you had Eric Haywood's video that was very informative. It felt almost like a, like an Adam Ruins Everything kind of video, almost like a sort of like that kind of thing. And yeah. then you had that, and then you had Brittany Nichols at by Buys Hilarious, B-I-S Hilarious, uh, her really lovely thread on the plight of the staff writer, which was just chef's kiss. I love both of these things. Kay Tuxford, I, I, I messaged you on, on Brittany's, but... Or did I miss? I don't know. You but did. You saw, I, I saw Britney's. Yeah, I you saw, saw Britney's. It, which it's a great thread. We better tag it in our notes. I haven't yeah, seen Eric's. Notes. I haven't seen Eric's video yet. So you you have to be the protector of that. I retweeted uh, that, but that will also be in the show notes. Okay, great. Yeah, I think I think Britney's thread. What's so lovely about it is it really is analytical and breaks down how especially staff writers are the people who have really benefited from these diversity initiatives. So they're also, you know, all these, you know, BIOP, what is it, BIPOC folk. Mm -hmm. And and so then they're also the people who aren't getting any sort of real salary increase. They're also the people who are getting the cutbacks. They're getting basically the short end of the stick in every which way. So it's like, oh, we helped you, but did we help you? It's kind of, you know, the really the the meat of it and and kind of seeing how some of some of this these diversity initiatives are just kind of playing lip service and she's right yeah she's 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 absolutely right this is something that i've I've really wanted to dig into on this show because it sets me on fire that this whole we talked about it a lot on the show about how the diversity initiatives they bring somebody on because they've got money given to them according to the diversity hire, they bring someone on for a year and then they toss them out into the winds, like, hope you get another job. And then these people, if they do manage to get another job, if they do manage to do the impossible of first breaking in, then getting another job, then they're not allowed to advance. 
They're kept at this staff writer's position for years and years and years, and they're not allowed to grow despite their experience in the in rooms. And even when they get, you know, like Brittany says, she she got up to a staff editor position, and which is above the staff writer position, and then one and then was offered two staff writer positions, like a demotion, in order to go to these other shows. And to me, that's I'm just like. Like that kind of it. Oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm not a, I'm not happy with it. I'm glad that she was bringing this up. So I'm happy to shine a light on it. It is what I've been talking about, and one of the reasons why I, I I'm so this Hollywood nonsense and is just uh it upsets me. I do, it's not fair. People work their asses off, and to offer someone that they're just like, well, you know, we're giving people jobs and stuff like that be like no that's not how this works it's yeah it's the equivalent of like when our country is like we have you know so many more jobs this year we're job creators and we all find out it's (laughs) it's part-time at mickey d's there's more mickey d's franchises and you're like well that's not gonna pay my bills yeah you know and i think that's the problem is 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 that well well the other thing we're experiencing just is just kind of like the state of the industry is that there are less and less writer rooms they're getting smaller so you know those positions are becoming there's there's more scarcity than ever and so yeah the people at the lower end of the totem pole are always going to be they're going to suffer they're going to experience the you know nobody nobody who's a showrunner is going to be like well let me step down so someone else can have an opportunity right exactly (laughs) nobody's a producer is like well maybe i'll just be a staff writer next time change it up a bit Right. I'll just go down to the bottom uh, bottom rungs and just see how that feels. Angela, you're a working writer in in, in Hollywood. How did you see any of these? Did you how did you feel about this the sort of conversations that are upcoming as yeah, a WGA I'm, member, I'm assuming? I am a WGA member. I just got in in 2020, so this is my first round of negotiations that I've like been privy to from the inside. Um and it's fascinating. I've never written TV. I'm mostly focused on features, but the it seems to me like the really big issue, or at least what I'm hearing from friends who do work in TV is like, there's just so few positions for the middle people, right? The not yeah. staff and not showrunner, but the folks in the middle. So there's like nowhere to move. Once you get staff, there's like no, the steps aren't there anymore to like escalate up or unless you make a huge jump. And then you're stepping into a world that you're not prepared for, right? Because maybe right. you haven't been on physical production and it's just all sorts. It's a big fat mess. It's very broken. So I'm glad that the Guild is trying to take steps to to address all these issues they have going in TV. Um, yeah. And this then, was an yeah. issue that Gina Ippolito brought up a few months back. And we were supposed to have her on the show. But the timing didn't work out for us. But I still hope to have Gina on the show to talk about that as these uh, r- these writers' negotiations get started again. So um, shout out subtle- to Gina. Yeah, I was like, are we going to tag Gina with the guilt? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Totally. Okay. Because I'm going to get Gina on the show, I swear to God. So yeah, no, I, this is, yeah. I I also want to say, I really appreciate the guild pushing so hard right now and like coming out in self-defense mode because in these talks historically, it's always the guild being painted as like, they're being so greedy and they're asking for things they don't deserve and us poor companies, we can't afford to pay anymore than we're already paying. It's it's just Uh, silly. And like the trades end up like, side in some cases and like presenting us as like 
these awful people who are willing to put everyone out of work. And it's like, well, maybe that's because we give them the jobs in the first place. Right, right? exactly. Right. <laughs> this economy doesn't work. And so we're important and you should realize that. So yeah, that's it's all a mess. But I, I'm I'm looking forward to what happens. I am hopeful that we can avoid a strike and I hope we still get what we want. And if not, I'm totally ready to strike if needed because a lot of big changes need to happen. I agree. And I'm not even in the guild, but I'm so happy to see these folks because I'm definitely a labor person. And like you said, there is no, there's nothing without us as, as the writers. We the, like the stuff is coming out of our head and yeah. it's just, you know, but then especially in features, I'm sure, you know, where, uh, you know, there's that thing where people sort of make it as if, you know, once you're done with it or once they have what they need, it's like you're no longer important or things like that. Or people try to make you feel that way. I don't sure. want to put words in your mouth, but like <laughs> Ed, that seems to have been the case historically. Yes, we're sure your team is lovely, though. Um, <laughs> not here. Yeah, not here to accidentally Jenna or. Right, 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 right. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, it does happen. And it does like, I, especially in the indie world, from my experience working in features, it kind of always goes to the director. It got to the point where they're like, the director wrote this, the director did this, the director is the main, almost like the main sure. character. Yeah, when you go to, to right. like, uh, film festivals and stuff. And and then, you know, people are like, wait, somebody wrote this? Uh, it's still, <laughs> it still surprises folks, yeah. Was it the director? No, it was not. It was not the director. Right. Yeah. The director directed, that's why they got that name. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, that, for me, it doesn't, that doesn't bother me because, you know, if I wanted the credit, I could have the credit. You know what I mean? Like if I would, I would just keep the thing to myself. I'm just like, I gave it to you. I wrote it. It's fine. I got my check. I'm happy. But the, the act as if there was like the whole thing of acting as if the writer was inconsequential. Like we talked about this last week when we were talking about the Oscars as if you can have a best picture nominee without nominating the screenplay like that just you just magically got a movie that was supposed to be one of the best movies of the year but the script yeah not so much <laughs> just sure all right sure okay <laughs> different, it's different campaigns uh i did think it was really uh amusing this is kind of shifting us to our next topic yep but everything everywhere all at once did sweep the oscars they did they did great but on all the posts where people were talking about all the awards they won they didn't list best original screenplay <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like well no no like they they did yeah they did. right yeah. so so it just says you know with that oversight occasionally still still happens at all levels but they did take best original screenplay which is amazing i got mm. to tell my like family i'm like the people who did turn down for what the music video <laughs> just swept the oscars <laughs> And then I got to show them the turn down for what music video. And that's that a special moment right there. Special. Yeah. <laughs> that is the word that I would, I would use. Yeah. Special, special. <laughs> There's a lot of thrusting. There's a lot of thrusting. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it's fantastic. So, well, congratulations. I was going to say these. Yeah, congratulations like, to the Daniels. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To the Daniels, the whole team and, and many of the other, the, and the nominees, like we had a really good batch of films this year. We did. Yeah, there, I, I, I will say, I will say. It's one uh, of those things where I think it gets like kind of political voting, right? Yeah. And yeah. and I've seen how some of these folks vote 
And they'll say stuff like, oh, well, I voted for Wakanda forever for production design. So I'm going to vote for a different film or, you know, something like that. And it's like, it's like, well, those are two different things. And you shouldn't like try to be, I know, have your own brand of film justice going on. Like, what did you think was good? You know? Yeah, I'm still, you know, I still have my own thing of like, I really feel like the 1997 Oscars, uh, I'm still waiting for justice for Eddie Murphy for uh, The Nutty Professor. Because if you tell, (laughs) if you, if you, if you believe in your head that there was anyone who did a better acting job than Eddie Murphy in that movie, you're out <laughs> of your goddamn mind. Because Eddie Murphy was that movie. Have you seen that I'll film? I'll agree with it. Absolutely agree insane. Eddie Murphy was that movie. I'll agree on that. I, He's that absolutely movie. insane. That, the fact <laughs> that that movie works at all. No, sorry. Nobody did it. Nobody. He was robbed. Okay. Robbed. Rob, we 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 should move on because Angela Fine. is humoring us, but uh, <laughs> that's not why we brought her here to talk yeah, about. Yeah, okay, today. but okay, okay, but we're speaking to people, and uh, we're certainly speaking to our audience, which sort of brings sure. us to our next point. We're getting bigger. I've been looking yeah. at the numbers, folks, and uh, we're doing a lot well. Uh, we got uh, brought up on top thirty-six uh, screenwriting podcasts that you should be listening to. We made a list, and I, I truth be told, Kate Tuxbury, I when I clicked on the list and I showed it to you I was just like I was gonna do it just to like you know just the meh was one of those they didn't include us yeah yeah I was Uh, like yeah all right let's see who's better than us but then we were on the list and I was like oh okay no shit posting all right (laughs) yeah and then we were we were right above John August I know uh, they put us in those script notes wow I was going to say, I don't know if it was like an alphabetical thing, or maybe they just wanted to humble them, but we, we took it and we, we ran did. with it. We were above yeah. them. They got, we got recommended before they did. I was like, what? No way. Yeah. No freaking it's, way. It's it's your charm, Rob, I'm sure. I'm sure. Or is. the fact that you refer to me by my full name every time you say my name. <laughs> it yeah. is. Something. I don't know. But, you know, people, I don't know. People are listening to us. We're getting more and more folks every week. Like, and we love you, each yes. and every one of you, even the weird ones. We do love you. Yeah, we actually recently, yeah. recently had a changing <laughs> of the guard. We our first our, our biggest episode for a long time has been the, <laughs> the the elephant the elephant rage episode that we talked about uh, with Robert Brockaway when he he brought, came on for his script. Oh, uh, that elephant that killed the, the elephant that killed the old lady. Like she came, like traveled with a herd of elephants, and then like came and destroyed her house. And we like riffed on that for like half an hour, and we were just laughing our asses off. That was our number one episode for a long time. That's because and, we we dubbed that Elevengeance. Yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> it was great. Okay, well, we no no sweat here, Angela, but we have to just compete with that. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> no but, pressure. Uh, we yeah. did have a changing of the guard where Megan Reese's episode on pitching has now surpassed that episode by quite a large margin now. You guys are hungry for that episode. And uh, we're glad because Megan Reese is good people. And that episode is also very good. I don't know if it's as funny as Elevengeance, but it certainly is very good and full of lots of useful information. Megan is quite funny. She did have us in stitches during that. Yeah. Yeah. And she does have a great pitch in that episode too. She just pitches like right on the spot. And you, that wasn't even in the thing. I think you just told her to pitch. You were like, hey, do you want to pitch? You should pitch. (laughs) And you uh, made that woman pitch, and she like pitched I, right in the episode. I I didn't know it was gonna work out like that, but then I was like, "Hey, you want to pitch right now? You like pitching?" And she was like, "Yeah, I do." And she just like, "Bam!" Yeah, she just uh, jumped <laughs> right into it. And yeah, I was like, "Holy great. shit, that woman's a professional!" 
yes. somebody needs to hire this lady. Yes. Speaking Which, of professionals and there we go. that we need to <laughs> hire and make everything. We can set them up and knock them down here. Welcome um, to the welcome to the podcast and congratulations on your film being in South by Southwest. And thank you. that must have it just finished, right? The festival finished what a week or two ago? Uh no, it's actually finishing now. It finishes okay. tomorrow. Yeah. Yep, yep. Okay. They give me emails, but I haven't been in, <laughs> like they always are like, hey, let's see what's happening today. And I'm like, oh, I'm not in Texas today and I'm grumpy about <laughs> it. So okay. And, and did you get to go to your screening? I did. Yeah, I got to go to the premiere on Saturday. It That's was amazing. So, so fun. Like, yeah, dream experience that I've been looking forward to for so, so long. And it actually happened. <laughs> That's, it was pretty surreal actually being there. And my my husband came, my sisters came. So it was, it was really, really wonderful. Well, you just answered my question. I was going to ask, was that surreal? But then you were like, no, it was surreal. That is yeah. like, that was whole that thing. You, was that your first time screening, like with the big live audience? Okay. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Hence the surreality. Yes. Hence the surrealness. Okay. Go on, Rob. I didn't mean to interrupt <laughs> you. you. Did, like, okay. Do you do the same thing that I do where like, you know, you sort of like scrunch down and you see, and you're just like listening to people, like when they're supposed to laugh, like, you know, what line is coming up and you're just like, laugh, laugh, laugh. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was interesting because, so I've seen like work in progress cuts of the movie and I've like watched it with my husband, watched it with like a few friends in our living room. And, you know, it's obviously a very different experience from an entire theater. We had a 300 seat theater that was right. sold out. And I'd seen it so many times that like it had stopped being funny to me in certain points. Cause you know, I was used to it and I was like, right. is this funny? And you start to question it. And then you get into it with an audience who's never seen it before. And they were laughing at these jokes. And I was like, oh yeah, that is funny. So <laughs> it, was, it was really wonderful just to hear like how hard they laughed at some things. I was kind of surprised. Some things like I didn't even occur to me as jokes, but like they laughed and I was like, oh yeah, that yeah. is funny. It was a really warm audience and they were so receptive. So that was wonderful. And I was just, yeah, I was trying to just focus on the screen and not really watch the audience, um, but I could definitely hear that laughter and those reactions. That was really fun. Yeah. That's always a, a like a just one of those things that like I love about you just can't there's nothing like that experience. I, I think my favorite thing I've told this story on the podcast before, but like my favorite thing in the world was I was at a film festival that was showing one of my movies and I saw these two women. They came up and we were behind them. They didn't know who I was and they bought two tickets to my movie and I watched them buy it. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's the stuff. It's like two people. <laughs> yeah independent they like, like they don't know me they don't know who i am they don't know the director and writer of the movies like standing mm -hmm. right behind them they're just buying tickets to uh, their own thing however they came to the movie they came to the movie and just like sitting there and be like those two people bought a ticket i'm just like yeah i need that mm -hmm. i need that again yeah <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm sure you probably felt a little bit of that going and seeing 300 full seats and having that moment of like, oh my gosh, all of these people collectively decided to be here. People I don't even know. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was great. that was pretty great. surreal. And then uh, I think even better, like a little later in the week, we showed Next Door at the Paramount Theater, which is a thousand seat theater. Wow. I think that, was, that was a pretty full showing as well. And I had a great reaction. The director stayed for that one. So I just heard about it secondhand. But I wish I could have seen that one too. That would have been really cool. <laughs> Well, Angela, our first real question is the question we start off with. Uh, how did you get into this business that we call show? 
Oh, goodness. Um, you want the long answer or the short answer? We want the answer that you want to give us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, Bob been, can always edit the podcast. So there, if he's like, yeah, nah, yeah. Trim yeah, it down. Fun. Yeah. It's been a winding and long road for me. I knew I wanted to be a screenwriter way back in high school. So I, I applied to the UCLA film school for college. And they, as their underwear program, they only actually accept you as a junior. So I kind of rolled the dice, went in in a different major applied halfway through my time there and did not get in. Um, I made it like all the way to the interview stage. And then I totally bombed my interview. (laughs) And that was my first real big heartbreak, not getting like level of approval. But, you know, I was already in LA. So I did some development internships, did some writing on my own, took the classes I could. And then I was like, okay, I'll just sell my first script out of college. It'll be no problem. I was like, no, no, that's not how it works. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I did some some jobs in Hollywood for a while, but then, you know, life took me in and out of L.A. over the intervening decade. And I was working as a like a freelance web content writer in the mornings and working on my scripts in the afternoons and got married along the way, had a kid along the way, wrote a dozen scripts before finally in 2019, I was a finalist in the TV competition, actually, at the Austin Film Festival. Right on. Um, and that's how I met my managers. And then a few months after that, I got set up with my agents at UTA. They read the script, If You Were the Last, and that went out wide and people got excited about it. And now here we are, it just premiered. Um, so yeah, it, it took more than a decade to get to like professional status and a lot of doubt along the way. Now, um, is the title to your film, If You Were the Last, is that taken from the Dandy Warhol song? No, it's not. Okay. I don't know this song. I have to listen to it now. The Last High is the name of the song, but it has that, if you were the last, and then it goes into this really long note from the lean singer. So I thought, I don't know. I was thinking it was like, if you were like the last person on earth or something like that. Yeah. Look, she's nodding. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm vibing with it. I have you a know, feeling that this is going to be I one of those, those episodes that's like that, where you're going to be the, the right one and all the things. <laughs> I got a feeling that this is going to be one of yours. I, I too bombed my interview at UCLA. So uh, oh, there you go. I'm okay. feeling that I accidentally bit my lip, split it and bled all over Richard Walter's office. So. Oh no. <laughs> So, so it was Lou Hunter's office. Sorry, Richard Walter was interviewing me, but we were in Lou's office. And Mm -hmm. uh, so sorry about those bloodstains, Lou Hunter. (laughs) The guy after, wait, wait, what? The guy after me, I was like, had a rolled up paper towel on my face and looked like I had been punched. And he was waiting to go next. And I came out and I looked like I had this big swollen lip. (laughs) And I always want to know what happened to that guy. Maybe yeah. he did great. Maybe that fear gave him the adrenaline he needed. Anyway, yeah. Rob, let's maybe get back he on went topic. to a bathroom and punched himself in the face too. He's like, I don't want to. <laughs> this is what it takes. Yeah, yeah. this is what I, I don't want to be like. I don't want to go half-assed. So let's let's hear about the story of if you were the last. How what what is what was the inception? How did it you know come out? And then how did it go forward? Sure. So the basic idea is it's two astronauts have been sort of stranded in space. They're on year three of this mission. They have like very little hope of rescue. And so they're pretty sure they're going to die out there eventually. So the question is, well, should we just keep living our lives the way we are? Or is it time for us to hook up already? And so it's like, do we stay friends or do we become something more? And that's sort of like the the way it starts and where it goes. So it's a rom-com in space, sort of when Harry met Sally in space with dancing. (laughs) There's dance scenes too. So it's a lot of things mushed together. Where it came from, 
Well, I wanted to write a rom-com for years. It's one of my favorite genres. I love rom-coms. Big fan of all like the Julia Roberts, Meg Ryan, you know, those type movies from the 80s, 90s. Oh, and Sandy Bullock got a few in there too. Oh, for sure, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's an intimidating genre, right? (laughs) Because it's like, it's got these sort of like traps and tropes that are like hard to avoid and hard to make it not feel like stale. Right. Um, So... I stayed away from it for a long time, but what happened in my personal life was my my mom got sick. My mom had terminal cancer, and she was coming to the end of her time, and I was sad. And I I think I just really wanted to write something joyful and something that she would love. And so that's when I really sat down and decided, this is what I'm writing now. This is what I need in my life. So I, I figured out a story, and that's, that's where it sort of came from for me. Oh, okay. See, now this is... People, this is the type of thing that you you want to hear in a room. Like that story immediately just like broke my heart. And like <laughs> anybody who you sit in the room with, you know, you sit in front of Ted Sarandos and he's like, so what made you want to write this script? And then you tell that story, Ted Sarandos is going to hire you that day. He's going to hire you. I guarantee you. Would you hope. If not, he's heartless. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Unless he's a sociopath, he's just like, mm, okay, your mom died. All right. What else you got? You know what I mean? <laughs> Fuck you, Ted. I sort of feel I'm a little jealous of your script, to be perfectly honest, because I've had like very <laughs> similar idea that I've been trying to write for years. But then I got discouraged when I saw that movie. movie. Passengers? Yes. Yes. That's <laughs> Passengers like sucked all the romance out of outer space for a little while. It sure did. Ah, just no, but uh, you know, because I wanted to do this whole thing and then I wanted to make it because it's me. So I wanted to make it weird and freaky. So like, mm-hmm. I, like I was like two people why not three so you know then i was gonna go there but then of course i was gonna the make last it about... love triangle in space yeah. yeah but then of course i had so, to go in and do my own thing and make it about class warfare and stuff like that and so you know i just that's fair yeah yeah but in uh, mind, there is there is a third astronaut but they died so they're just a skeleton that hangs out with the other two <laughs> <laughs> you it's know hard to get busy with the skeleton i mean <laughs> But but not impossible. Do they talk to the skeleton? Do they? They do. I I had a lot of fun. Yeah, the the skeleton ends up becoming like the best friend character that they both like go to complain to, but has very excited conversations. That's really funny. I love it. I love it. When you're lonely, you talk to objects. Just just uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. So now your script goes like you you write your script and then you submit your script to the Austin Film Festival where they're like, this script's funny. They talk to skeletons in it. And so then it ends up as a finalist and you meet your manager via the win or did you query? So I actually was at Austin with a different script, with a, Mm -hmm. a pilot script. And then the, I was meeting with managers and the one I ended up going with, he's like, what else you got? And this was the script I had just finished. It was brand new. And I sent that to him. He read it that night. He's like, it made me cry and I want to work with you. And I was like, okay, great. (laughs) Let's do it. (laughs) And then like through, uh, you know, I started working with my manager and I was mostly taking like staffing meetings because it felt like a sort of more tried and true path for especially a, a very new writer. But then through a different avenue, through another friend, this new script, actually a different script of mine, got into the hands of the agents at UTA. And they like that. They turned around, asked my managers, what else does she have? Then they sent them this script, if you last. And they're like, this is free and clear and we can go take this out. And we're like, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> so, Zoom, just so, dust cloud. Yeah, okay. Yeah. 
So they got very excited. They wanted to rep me. And then they they took that script out and sent it out real wide and got multiple producers interested. So I got to actually like sit down with the producers who were pitching me on why they would be the right person to try and package this film, which was really exciting and not Lovely. something I think that's a typical experience for someone in my position, but it was pretty, pretty wonderful. And then I ended up picking up Depth of Field, who were amazing to work with. And then it was the process of packaging and trying to, you know, get actors and directors involved. And then somewhere in there, it, it ended up on the 2020 blacklist, which got even more momentum behind it, which was wonderful. Um, so you got on the actual blacklist. The annual, like the actual, yeah. Yeah, oh, okay. the actual one, yep. <laughs> on the for real blacklist. Not not like scored at eight. Like there's like, no, you, this one is the one that everybody wants should be making, but right. haven't been made yet. How far yeah. were you, like, were you in production at all? Or were you guys still packaging it by the one? We were still packaging. Point? We were still mm -hmm. packaging it up. Yeah, I don't, think, um, I don't think you can be in production at the blacklist. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to be like pre, I think. Yeah, you can be in pre-production and it needs to be like associated with that year in some meaningful way is like yeah. the general rule. But yeah. So that lights a fire under your stuff. And then who was the first person to sign on? Ugh, well, it kind of came together and fell apart a few times. So we, we had mm. a director come on, Claire Scanlon, who did set it up. And she had another one recently. She's really wonderful. She came up as an editor on The Office and directed some episodes of The Office too. She's so funny, so wonderful. But she ended up having to drop off because she had another movie going to production, which was also great. But and kudos to her. But, um, <laughs> and then for a while we had cast in place, but they had to step off for scheduling issues. And then finally we ended up with Christian Mercado, who's the director now. He's this amazing music video and comedy special director. He's done some cool animated shorts. He was he won the Grand Jury Award for animation at South by a few years ago. So it was like a homecoming for him. But this was his first feature, and he just came in with his amazing pitch. He'd like made a model of the spaceship and like had all this artwork he put together. And it was just really clear that he was in love with this story. So I knew we'd be in good hands with him. And he did an amazing job. And then it was sort of, you know, it, it the, actually getting the talent on takes a long We really wanted our male lead first because that felt like the trickier role to figure out. Right. And then Anthony Mackey decided he really wanted to do it, but he had this very tiny window between like his huge projects. Right. So we had like two months of pre-production, which was a really, really short window to get it all together, figure out our financing, figure out our female lead. And it all came together. We got Zoe Chow, who just had amazing, sparkling energy with Anthony and they're so good together. But yeah, it was kind of a miracle. We went from like zero to like 160, like so fast. If that's the way it goes. That's how it happens. <laughs> Yeah, the, the old hurry up and wait. Uh, exactly. Yeah, happens all through every every facet of filmmaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So did you get to yeah. come down on set? Were you down on set at all, or? I went to set for a week, which was awesome. I got to be a, an executive producer on the project. So I was involved the whole way through with helping make those decisions and figure out our casting and all that. Yeah. And, but I have a, I have a six-year-old son, so I didn't want to be out. We were shot in New Orleans. I didn't want to be away from him for a whole month. Um, oh. So I just went for a little bit. Plus, was that because when, of Mackie? Sorry? Was that because of Mackie? Oh, to shooting in New Orleans? Yes. Um, yeah, I think that was definitely his preference and it just works out. They got great tax incentives too. So it was a good spot for us. But yeah, he got to go home every day, which is nice for him, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but what was I saying? Oh, yeah, yeah. And yeah, when you're the writer on set, there's not that much to do. <laughs> so I think a week was the right amount of time. <laughs> but it was yes. a lot of fun. That's true. I mean, as long as everything is working out, as long as there's not 
like, oh, we lost this location. You need to rewrite this scene. Like, sure. but thank goodness that's not the case because usually that means some things have gone terribly wrong. Yeah. Um, right. So the fact that there wasn't anything for much for you to do means things were going right. It was a good thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's I awesome. Get, yeah. yeah. So, you know, did you sort of like enjoy the experience of watching like this giant production? I can imagine it was like kind of a pretty, you know, giant production of, of watching this you know, people put this movie, this, like this thing that you sort of breathed life into, like, you know, how was that? What was that like, you know, to sort of watch all these professionals put your words, bring your words to life? Yeah. Again, it's totally surreal. Like you, you walk in and it's like, Oh, look at this cool set. Look at all these people working. And then you have to take a step back and be like, Oh, it's because I wrote a thing and they're all doing the things that I told <laughs> right. them to do on the page. Right. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, wow. Like, and that's sort of like a mind-blowing moment when you step back and realize like that you sat down at your computer one day and wrote this thing down and now this is happening and people are spending millions of dollars to like make mm -hmm. it come true. And everyone's bringing all activity and vision to it too, right? That was what was really exciting to me being on set, seeing how excited people were about it and how they like brought new ideas or interpreted things in fun ways that just really like leveled up every aspect of the story. So that was really exciting. It was really a dream experience in terms of not feeling like, you know, oh, they're ruining it. You know, it was, it was always <laughs> like, oh, they're making it better. So that was, that was really great. I mean, obviously sometimes you watch a take and you're like, ah, please don't use that one. <laughs> but, right. But then you're like, you see them really get it and you're like, oh, perfect. Like we got it. It's amazing. You know, and seeing like the the ad-libbing every now and then, or, like them adding their own jokes and be like, they'd make me laugh with things that I didn't think of that were just so great that ended up in the movie. And it's like, oh, it's just, it's wonderful to see. I I always like that on set when, you know, everybody kind of brings their A game and they, every, it's like, it's like you go to a potluck or something and instead of everybody bringing like one item or like, you know, half acid and bring home like store-bought muffins, like everybody made something homemade, <laughs> they special recipes. And by the time you like, look at this potluck, you're like, we have a bounty, uh, you know, <laughs> right. we have a cornucopia of like creativity and passion and ideas. And like it, you're, you're gonna, you're just, it's just going to be a good time. And it's, it's always lovely when people are riding that wave of po positive energy. And I love when actors riff, you know, when they've mm -hmm. spent so much time in their headspace with the character. And we were talking about this last week a little bit because of the Jenny Ortega issues, you know, that went through the, but, mm -hmm. but for the most part, like actors spend every day trying to live in that headspace and think about what the character's thinking. And sometimes they get thoughts, you, you know, you as a writer haven't, haven't progressed to yet. Sure. Um, or, or now that they have that like connection with the other characters in room, like suddenly their dynamic kind of becomes just more real. Yeah, uh, I always think yeah. about that story that that Soderbergh tells in his book, uh, in the sort of the behind the scenes of Sex Lies and Videotape, where he meets up with Spader and he starts talking to Spader about taking on this role. And Spader turns to him and he goes, "You know, there's going to be a point where I know this character better than you." And Soderbergh at the first, like his first instinct is like, fuck you, James Spader. Like, <laughs> you don't know, like I wrote this character, but then he starts, you know, sort of having those thoughts where he's just like, no, this guy's going to be living in this headspace. He's going to know this character better than I do. I need to get the fuck with the program. And I, I like, I, you know, that was sort of an eye opening moment for me where I was just like, you, you know what? That's absolutely true. Like, I, that's just, oh man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really think about that. I gotta really eat that in my head for a little bit I'm gonna chew on that yeah um, it's interesting because you yeah there's like the protective side of the writer that's like no it's mine but right. once an actor steps in and 
actually like embodies it and gives it, you know, flesh and blood, it does become a new thing that is more theirs than yours at a certain point. And obviously, like you still have to like be like, oh, but hang on, like there's conversations still to be had, right? You don't want them to be taking so much ownership that they, you know, completely changed your vision. But if they're um you gotta be open to those new directions though, certainly, because that's what makes it better. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've got one more question for you before we get into our signature questions. Um, I, I just want to know, like, you, you've gotten the the movie starts to goes into production. Do your agents and managing team do you does your team immediately go into okay, we got to set up your next job like now, like while you're while the thing is hot? You know what I mean? Is that is that something that happens? Like, what happened after that? I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, there, there's definitely that feeling of like, oh, you've got heat now or whatever, and mm-hmm. you, know, you got to capitalize. But there's also like realizing that no is a powerful word and not trying to just like do whatever is next, but like figuring out the right steps. And I'm lucky I've got a great team who really respects my voice and they're not trying to push me to do things that I don't want to do. And they're also being very supportive of me exploring my own things. Like I had two things go into production and they were both things that I wrote on spec. Um, So the things that are working for me are the things that I'm coming up myself so far. So I'm I'm eager to not just entirely let that go and just chase like OWAs, open writing assignments, which kind of can suck sometimes. They can also be wonderful, but they can also really suck. Um, have you done any pitching on open writing assignments? Yeah, I have. The The thing that got me into the guild in the first place was a rewrite on a project that Amblin was putting together, um, okay. which was wonderful. It's now, you know, like on a shelf somewhere. It might never see the light of day, but, but <laughs> I did well. We were happy, yeah. so that was good. But yeah, pitching, I've, I've, it's been a, a steep learning curve with pitching so far. Now, was that a about points of, for that rewrite? That the points that you got for that rewrite were the thing that pushed you over into the guild? Yeah, it was, I, I think I, I had like a, maybe I can't remember. I think it was one step with optional multiple steps and they ended up in having me do multiple rewrites because they liked the work I was doing and they wanted to continue it. So the, the cumulative total of what they ended up paying me got me pushed over the edge to being a full member. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What was I saying? You were talking about pitching. pitching. Yeah. 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 So it's tricky figuring out like what you can get really excited about. That's what you want to pitch on. Right. But then you also break your own heart when you don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) It can be tough and you can spend a lot of time like thinking about other people's things that you don't own. And then, you know, if you don't end up getting it, that's like however many months gone that you don't have anything to show for it. Right. So I'm trying this year to find more of a balance between pitching and working on my own things. I'm writing a spec right now. I'm also working on um, a project with Film Nation at the moment where I sold a short story to them that I wrote. And now I'm turning it into the feature version of that with them. So they're paying me to write my own script, which is really cool. That's um, the dream. Yeah. That's the dream. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's what's next right now. I'm also working on a limited series pitch um, where I wrote, I spec'd a, a pilot for that. But yeah. Yeah. Lots of things. Lots of, what's the Balls word? Balls in the air. Balls in the air. Yeah. Things on Are the Are you part. looking at plates on? Plate yeah, spinning, spinning plates. plates. Yeah, yeah, all of that. <laughs> and hopefully I won't drop too many of them, but some. Of course I'm writing, it's like juggling balls while you got uh, plates spinning. It's kind of like both of those at the same time. While you're on stilts or, <laughs> you know, breathing fire. Yeah. Oh, I like the breathing fire. That would be a, that would be an mm. event. That's like America's Got mm. Talent kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Hire that person, staff them. Yeah, right now. <laughs> right. So, Kay Tuxford, we've got our questions, and you know how we do. I'll ask the first one, you ask the second one. So, okay, okay. All right. 
I, so, you're, yeah. you're, you're, you're stressing her out. I don't <laughs> All right. We have two signature questions uh, okay. that we'd like to ask our guests. And the first one is, Angela, do you like writing? Do, do, do you like, do you actually like it? You know, because some people say that they don't like writing so much as they like having written. That's obviously the most famous sort of way that people respond to it. But you, you like writing? I do like writing. I, I hate starting to write. What's really hard for me is like getting over that hurdle of just actually putting my fingers on the keyboard and getting started. Mm -hmm. I feel like once I'm in it, once I've gotten going and I'm in the right headspace, then I love the act of writing. And I think you kind of have to, to, to enjoy this career, right? Because <laughs> that's what most of it is. If you don't like that part, it's kind of rough. But yeah, like that, that initial hurdle of like, whatever I write is not going to be as good as what's in my head. So let me just put it off for as long as possible. I definitely fight that still, you know, every day to, a, mm -hmm. you know, a degree, one degree or another. But once I'm actually writing and in the process of it, then I love it. So the very hardest thing for me is the very first page of a script. But then once I have anything written down, at least on the next day, I can go back and rewrite what I had. And then I'm kind of in the flow and that makes it easier to start the new Facts. stuff for me. Got That's it. my trick for myself. I think I think I I I I feel that I think Rob does too. Yep. Uh, okay, so then the other question, this is for all the marbles. Are you an outliner or are you a pantser? Or are you right <laughs> by the seat of your pants? I'm somewhere in between. So okay. Oh, okay. I I do outline, but I don't do like a crazy thorough outline. I like to have a short outline that I is probably Usually in like the seven to nine page range altogether, once I have it all set and then literally paste that into my, my, you know, final draft or I use uh, fade in myself yes. and then <laughs> Rob, Rob is team fade in. I'm writer duet, but uh, oh, okay. I'll okay. allow it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like to have everything figured out because it's always going to change once I start actually writing. So I like to give myself space to figure things out as I go and then adjust my outline from there and be like, I feel like I don't really know my characters until I start actually writing their dialogue and hear their voice a little bit more clearly. Do you um, do that thing so, where you like, you put the, like a, like a, when you're doing the outline, sorry to interrupt, but you do that thing where you like, you have like a, like slug lines and you put them like in the thing and then you just sort of fill out so that you're just basically going through, like you've given yourself stuff. Um, basically, so you, yeah. 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 yeah, I basically like each little paragraph is a scene and then I just delete them as I go. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, I, I feel like fully outlining, I, my brain just doesn't work that way. I can't get the entire picture in outline form. I have to start splushing it out more before I can really see it. But I would never just be like, oh, here's a fun log line. Let me start writing, you know, because that would be insanity in my mind. But okay, some people do it. This one for you. <laughs> yeah, so, so Rob and I are split down the middle on this one. We're trying to <laughs> see what team you're on. I think... She's a light outliner, so she's on my team. She's on your team. Yeah, I'll give this yeah. one to you. Okay. Uh, I am one of those insane people who's just like, yeah, I've got a log line. Let's go. And like, you know, <laughs> just like starting. To be fair, that... you usually send me your log line first. And I'm That's like, That's true. I, I do. <laughs> I, you send it to me and I go, I hate it. And then you revise <laughs> right. it a couple of times. So I'm like, okay, fine. And then you go. So there's right. still then some I revision. There, yeah. yeah, there's a, yeah, but I'm, you know, I get the outline. I'm like, I mean, I get the, the log line. And I'm like, all right, that's, that's, yeah, that's right. I like that. All right. I see where that's going. And then I mm -hmm. just, I literally start. I like, I sort of feel sort of a kinship to you because for me, I, 
I love, I probably love rom-coms more than I love any other genre. That's my, that's my really sad admission. His, uh, no, it's not sad. What's he sad loves, about that? Okay, his favorite movie every Christmas, and I hear him, every movie, he, every year he watches The Holiday. Yes. Okay. Great yeah, one. That's it for him. Like, that's love rom-com. It. Yeah. So good. <laughs> I can love it. It has, it has my two favorite things. It has, it's a rom-com. That's number one. Number two, it has Kate Winslet. I mean, that's a yeah. that's a that's a win win for me. You good? Can't go so, wrong. Yeah. Right. And Kate Winslet, she does this moment. She has that moment where she like she's trying to tell off Jasper, and then she like she like Jasper. No wait, I'm gonna do this with the light on. She like turns on the light, and I'm just like, oh, that's so good. That's I, I wish I had wrote that. <laughs> Oh my God! Oh, that's oh, that's so good writing. Like I don't know if that's an like an improv or if, if that's written. It seems written anyway. But like I was just like, that's so good. But anyway, I love rom coms, and I have like I think almost a rom com idea a day. They just come mm-hmm. into my head, and one of the ways that I'm able to do sort of like that that pantsing thing is because I literally watch the entire rom com in my head. Like, mm. just watch it play out. And then a lot of the times where I'm just like, I keep seeing, like, the same rom-com and be like, all right, I've got to write this somehow. All right, this is a this is a full-on thing. Now, certainly writing a rom-com right now, and I, as I do my $1,000 movie series, we decided to actually go with a rom-com called Sex Like Pizza. Nice. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't That's love a, both of those it, things? It's great. Yeah. yeah. Now, now, are you a really fast writer and are you a rewriter? Uh, I am a rewriter, and I, I forced myself to do the rewriting process, and the audience is going to hate when I talk about this again, but I found these, I wish I had one with me, I have one in my closet. Anyway, I have found these things called vomit drafts, I actually mm-hmm. sent one to Kay. Um, I have mine, I have yeah. mine, it's a, it's a notebook, but it's a um, format of a screenwriting margins, so you can write, handwrite screenwriting right. pages. Oh, so cool. I, I first draft all of my, I, all my first drafts are by hand. So I okay. write them out. So it mm-hmm. forces me to rewrite because I hate rewriting. So, but right. this one literally forces me to do it. So I have to literally do it. And then once I get that like feedback on that, that's also going to force a, another rewrite. So by the sure. time that anybody like sort of of importance, uh, the other thing that I've done is I've given tiered, I have a tiered system of, of feedback. <laughs> so usually by the time it gets to like K, like it's already been written a couple of times and then Kay still will come in and eviscerate it. So by the time I get it to somebody like a producer or something like that, it's been through like five, four or five rewrites. And mm-hmm. so this is like the fifth draft and they give it and they're like, that's good. And I'm like, that's right. I know it is because I've, I've <laughs> rewritten <laughs> right. it already. I still have Kay's bite marks. Yeah. Right. Right. Well, by the way, I'm a very I'm... nice notes giver. I just... <laughs> no, 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 no. This, yeah. is, this is Kay's note. These are Kay's notes. They're like, she'll be like, go through like what she does not like. And then when you get it right, she's like, that's good. Like, she <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm like, like that's, you just, that's fine. That's, that's fine. Good? That's fine. Yeah. yeah. No, no. Oh, she's like, Rob, you know, what? I'm like, yeah. All right. All right. I know. I just want a cookie. All right. Give me a fucking cookie. Woman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what, Rob? Sometimes your writing is very good. Okay. It's very good. <laughs> You know what? Fuck you very much, Kate Tuxford. I love you so much. I said I said that with love. I, yeah, said, I know okay, you listen. did. I know you mm. did. But That's the condescension, a... the condescension. I hear it. I feel it's, it in my it's soul. It's a, okay, okay. You know but it, we're Let's, we're gonna continue this right, uh, off just, air. What as you can imagine, writing, continue bickering, sure, sure. writing. This is a point where we uh, talk about what we're what we're doing. So, Kate Tuxford, why don't you start this week? 
and then we'll let our guests go and I'll, and I'll take us home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this week I have been, the wife made sure we watched Picard. So we're up to date with that. I saw nice. these season finale of Poker Face, which I love me some Natasha Leon. So, you know, can't go wrong there. And then I also caught Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Oh, I watched man. it sober and it was adorable, <laughs> but I feel like it would be pretty good on some psychedelics as well. Just yeah. out there for people who need to pair their movies or, or uh, weed, depending on how you attach to weed. For me, I get too paranoid. It'd be too much. So there's, there's my drug cocktail suggestions. And yeah, I'm, let's see, writing-wise, this has been a really busy week for me for turning in material for meetings. And the thing I'm working on right now is I had a really great meeting on Wednesday for a script that I haven't even done much with in the last couple of years, but uh, it got it got passed on to a production company and they loved it, but they have notes. Mainly they would like to age up the character, which suddenly going from like a 13-year-old girl to a 16-year-old girl, girl is brand new girl problems. So mm-hmm. we're going through the outline right now and just kind of seeing where we need to have a 16-year-old uh, perspective instead. So just uh, luckily, you know, Bindu was also about a 16-year-old, so I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. Right on. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Angela? What What are you watching, consuming, writing this week? Watching, consuming, writing. Watching this week, I caught up on Survivor, which is very important. Very nice. important. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty delightful this season. Lots of good characters. Uh, first episode, season three, Ted Lasso, mm. which it's an interesting start, sort of a different tone, I feel like, this season. And I'm curious to see what's going to happen next. But, you know, I'm very much invested, so I'm not letting go of that by any means and then got back from south by which was a crazy experience and so much fun and just kind of back into life and not read all the reviews just a lot of the reviews (laughs) (laughs) just the ones you like yeah exactly yeah and not check rotten tomatoes too too often oh yeah yeah, and and watch out for imdb because uh Mm. a lot of those get bombed well right Um, now we have like 11 votes and we have like an 8.7 which is like crazy high fantastic yeah i gotta take a picture of this and like yes realize this moment because it will never be that high again right Um, right Yeah. And then writing, working, oh man, there's, I got a lot of things in the air right now, reading a book to potentially adapt, working on a pitch with the director of If You're the Last that we're going to take out together for our next thing, which is exciting. Working on a new, a rewrite of a script that's going to be a big, big rewrite, but I'm excited about this new direction that we're figuring out with the producers right now. So yeah, those are the things happening at the moment. And uh Getting through St. Patrick's Day with my six-year-old son, who is convinced that there is a leprechaun in our house and keeps leaving notes for her. And the leprechaun keeps needing to like respond to the notes, which has been a whole nother like side job this week. But wow. we're finally here. So it's good. Are you, is the leprechaun <laughs> leaving any like chocolate or She's leaving some corn? treasures. Yeah, okay, she has, okay. she's been very nice about responding and leaving clues to her house, which he found this morning, which was very exciting for him. So you've heard of Elf on the Shelf. Um <laughs> Yeah, this is not a thing, but he just decided it is. So we right. just have been playing along because we want to inspire his creativity. <laughs> We're like, sure, why not? All well, right. I mean, he's getting treasures out of it. So maybe yeah. this is really Him the leprechaun. Yeah. yeah, you're getting played. <laughs> it's very possible. I remember being on a on a gig once and I, there was like, <laughs> I was I was shooting something for this father who wanted his 
son's uh, high school football games to be shot. And I got a, a gig from a friend of mine. And in the middle of the, the game, it started hailing. And then we were all forced inside, but then the hailing just passed over very quickly. And we all came out and just, there was this giant rainbow. And this old black man came out of nowhere and was like, I got to find the end of that rainbow and get that part of gold. <laughs> and we were all like, what? Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. And that moment is just sort of stuck with me. I'm like, I got to stick that yeah. in a movie somewhere. It was just that's so great. random. Just, Let's hope he found it. Let's hope he found it. Yeah, <laughs> I hope he did. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a great start to a movie. You know what it I mean? Is. Like, he's just like, I'm going to go find that pot of gold. And then, you know, all right. All right. <laughs> I didn't get much writing done this week, which means that I hate myself and anyone who looks like me. So, Aww. um, yeah, I started Poker Face. I did not finish Poker Face, but I started it. And then I was forced to stop because I know that it is the type of show that if my wife comes in and catches me watching it, she'll be like, you son of a bitch. Why didn't you stop so we could watch this together? So I had to stop. Yeah. The show is highly addictive. Natasha oh. Leone is just killing it. Uh, shout yes. out to Megan Suri, a.k.a. Bindu, who is yeah, in episode two. She She's in episode two. She plays She's fantastic. A, yeah, she plays oh, a goth. Yeah, it's great. She's so um, good. And I was like, oh, that's, oh, I know that girl. Um, so yeah, <laughs> no, it was, it's, it's really good. I have to finish this screenplay by the end of the month. Ha 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 ha. And so, yeah, I gotta, gotta get back into that this week and do that. Speaking of South by Southwest, uh, this week's resource is their official podcast on story. We recommended it a few episodes, our episodes ago for the Shane Black episode, but this time we want to re recommend the podcast proper. It has interviews with everyone whose career you've ever wanted to emulate. And so uh, if we've recommended this before, that's too bad. You should be listening <laughs> to it anyway. So go listen to On Story. You can find it wherever you find podcasts. It is fantastic. Also, there will be a link to it in the show notes. And that is our show. Screenwriting from the trenches can currently be found on Amazon, Anchor, well, you know, no longer Anchor, but Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and Spotify Podcasts, which is what Anchor used to be, as well as KevinLMartin.com. Our screenwriting Twitter drama theme song was written by Zach Morrison and used with his permission. And hey, since we're a new podcast, we'd appreciate it if you dropped us a like or rated us five stars on whatever platform that you patronize because Kate Tuxford, why? Algorithms. <laughs> For questions for us that we can and will answer on the uh, show, email me at rob at bmofo.net. You can also find us on Twitter. I am at RespectableMofo. I am at K underscore Tux. Angela, how can we find you on the Twitters? I'm at Angela Bursa one uh, Because she's number one Angela Bursa. Yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Zach is at Zach Morrison 18 and these things as well as my YouTube channel. Make where Zach Morrison the 18th Zach, you know, like number 18 <laughs> rank Zach Morrison. Maybe he was. You don't know. Maybe he's gone up since then. Okay. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I'm going to ask him. Sorry. Right. Uh, we're uh, the YouTube channel where my Cinema Challenge series, where we show you how to make a movie for $1,000, has finally launched. This week's episode was How to Be Your Own Line Producer. And oh. I nearly tore my hair out in writing that episode. <laughs> oh, brave. But That's rough. Probably, yeah. really I looked so tired when I did the episode. And the reason is because <laughs> I was exhausted. I shot it right after I wrote it, and I was exhausted. Just trying to explain in five minutes how to be your own live producer, your own line producer. So yeah, all that's linked in the show notes. Thanks so much for listening. We hope that you will continue to do so. Now stop procrastinating. Those pages aren't going to write themselves.
Angela, thank you for being on the show this yes. week. You were a lovely guest. Uh, thank you. I yes. won't hold it against you that you were on Case team. You know, <laughs> you seem like a lovely person otherwise. The team is better. Better team. Otherwise, yes. <laughs> All right. He's, you know, one day Rob is going to wake up and be an outliner and understand what he's been missing. Also, yeah. sometimes when he talks about his pantsing process, it sounds like a really roundabout way of outlining without saying it. So All I'm right. not, All I'm right. not convinced. Oh, it's just yeah. a very long outline. Yeah. 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 <laughs>